Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 90. This is your first time here. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm a full-time RVer, aka digital nomad, that has lived and worked in all of the lower 48 states since 2017. I'm the publisher of the Rootless Living magazine, and I'm also the publisher of our newest magazine catering to all RV owners called RV Today. Now, let me talk about RV Today for a second. Normally, I'm reading a little bit of a script going into these intros, but I'm going to riff for a second. You know, we talk about business here on the podcast, and there's so many times where I'm out talking to people that just aren't full-time traveling while working RVers. And so they, you know, have kind of said that the content really is focused on that. And I, I get that it is, and there's obviously a lot in Rootless Living that any RVer can pick up on and, and use, but we just really decided that we felt that the industry in itself, the lifestyle in itself, needed a publication that was completely independent and unbiased in the sense that the only function of the magazine is to be a magazine for RVers. And so what we're excited about is this is a magazine that's for RVers by RVers. And let me break that down for a second. I'm going to geek out and kind of show you how I was real basketball junkie back in the days. And I wanted to do a magazine about basketball. And what I wanted it to be was all levels. So like high school through pros. And we would actually have the players write and submit stories about the actual lifestyle of being a basketball player. We wouldn't be hearing from coaches or, you know, front office or agents or, you know, the sponsors, it would be from the actual players. And I'm taking that same kind of concept that I had when I was in my 20s and saying, you know what, let's do it here for RVers. Let's actually hear from people that RV, whether it's just recreational, a couple weekends out of the year, maybe it's a little bit more seasonal, maybe it's half the year. And again, we'll probably still have some full-timers that'll come on into the publication as well and share their stories. But we're super excited about it. It got launched and announced November 15th officially with what we're calling a special edition, Issue one comes out in February of 2022, gives us time to kind of work out the bugs, get everyone excited about the publication. You can head to rvtoday.com right now. You can subscribe. And like I said, it's eight issues a year. You get two per season plus a special edition. So really nine issues for $9.99. I mean, that's a great deal. If you want to grab it digitally, it is obviously available in print. We'll probably see a lot more print subscribers with this publication because most RVers that uh, do it, you know, not full-time, have a really easy address to get the print to, so we'll be sending it there. I'm super excited about this magazine. I'm going to come back and talk about it more. I might even do like a little special filler episode between this episode and the next one. Now that I've said it, I'll actually do it and uh, talk a little bit more about RV today. But for now, let's get into the episode. So on today's episode, I speak with Bo and Madison. We get to answer some really frequently asked questions about full-time RVing. Can you pivot careers and then make money on the road? And really what you should do with your home if maybe you're just not wanting to sell it yet. They get into all of that. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right. With that, I want to welcome Bo and Madison to the show. How are you guys? Great. How are you doing? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, day after Halloween, which I don't like doing because these are evergreen and people don't actually know when they get recorded. But eh, whatever. Happy uh, first of November to you both. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's already holiday good. season. <laughs> it's Christmas already. Thanksgiving gets completely <laughs> screwed. We just go from Halloween to Christmas. There is no Thanksgiving anymore. Where are you guys in the world right now? So we're sitting on the, well, not on the beach, we're at our campsite on the beach in Cardiff, which is Encinitas, California. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, familiar, yeah. I'm familiar with that. I'm a, a Californian. Um, oh yeah 40 years there uh last four wow years. i think i'm losing we a love lot. 
Oh yeah, no, it's it. I you know the people that don't like it, I think they've never been. <laughs> I agree. We were planning on spending two to three days here and got here, and now are probably going to spend two weeks total (laughs) just because we love it so much. No. And I always give the advice, like no matter what state you're from and there's a city, a town in that state that nobody wants to go to either. That's in all 50 of them. So, you know, Oh, 100%. Yeah. There's all, yeah, we totally get that. We've seen a lot of them. Even in cities that aren't as desirable, we've always learned to find some hidden gems too. Yeah, that's true. No, which I think is, yeah, I definitely want to get into it because I think that's a huge secret into kind of this lifestyle. Um, Well, let's back up a little. Um, Looking at the intake form, you guys consider yourselves part-timers, which I love. I mean, I I hate putting categories on people, but I want people to understand that they don't have to necessarily be full-time to do this. Explain what part-time means to you guys, and then I want to go back to before part-time and explain me where you guys were. Explain me. That is the, <laughs> this is the best English. I've ever, can you explain me why I, I'm leaving that in? I'm not even editing that. That's so good. So yeah, let's, let's, let's discuss part-time. How do you guys categorize part-time? So we have a home in Nashville. So we love spending time there. We love Nashville. However, we Airbnb our house. So what started as people coming on the weekends and us just vacating the premises for weekends has turned into it's booked a lot, which has allowed us to travel way more than we, I think, ever anticipated. So, um, you know, when we're home, we've gotten where we have to block out time where people can't book just because. Otherwise, we'd only be able to go for one one night a week, which isn't even worth cleaning it to and, do that. And we probably like being part time. It's probably total four to maybe six months out of the year we're on the road. Right, and we've gotten to where also when we are home because our house is rented and we do depend on that income, we stay with friends and family or things like that. So uh, definitely, majorly part time. <laughs> It's interesting, though, because, you know, I mean, as you know, I've been full timing it without a residence for four years. And I really want to get back to having a little bit of a home base. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Just because I feel like but I, I feel what I'm seeing is either people do it all in or all out. And I think the hybrid model, what you guys are doing, especially with the Airbnb, I think that is probably like wicked smart, like in the sense that you know, income is paying off your house while you're traveling. It's just really exactly yeah. someone else is building our equity for us. So smart. And, you know, and I, I that part I love. And, and it's the reason when I saw the part time, I was like, I think I need to do a better job of explaining that this is still rootless. Like it has nothing to do with owning a piece of property. It's the, having the freedom right. to kind of live and go where you want to go when you want to go. And I think no matter what, even if I own a big, stupid house again, at some point, I want to be able to go wheels up in 30 minutes and not some sort of like prepper way, but just where I'm. Yeah, that has learned that has, you know, we've learned that that's what we really like, because there's sometimes when I just crave home, Mm -hmm. you know, like and being settled for because when we're when we're on the road, we tend to push and try to do a lot while we're gone. So it can at times feel very unsettled. And so there's times when I do crave being able to go quote unquote home and just for a couple of weeks. But that's one thing like I love about 
renting our house out is that we can dictate that, you know, like we're going to be home um, for a couple weeks in December and we just blocked out those two weeks so that we can be there and get settled again. And then we'll leave again as soon as uh, our first guest check back in and hit the road. But it's always good. I feel like I find it necessary to get settled every now and again and kind of like around us. Yes, definitely. hundred percent. Let me ask a question about the Airbnb just because I've I've rented a few that I think are hybriders. Um, Their master bedroom, which I don't know if you can say in 2021 anymore, but their their, their bedroom, the primary primary bedroom with the bathroom is like locked off. Like you're renting the the, the rest of the house, which is usually a couple more bedrooms and still access to bathrooms. Um, Are you guys renting your whole house or do you still lock off a room while you're gone? So we do the whole house. Nice. However, we have our master closet. Primary and closet. Our, primary closet. Yeah, <laughs> primary closet. Main closet. There you go. And our uh, garage okay. is locked. Okay. So we we laugh that our whole life is in our, I know a lot of uh, full-timers will have like a storage unit or something like that. Well, our whole life is in our garage. Like all of our really our closet doesn't really have anything in it. We keep all of our clothes and tubs in the garage. So they're easily accessible if we have guests at the house and we need to go get something. So also with, with our Airbnb guests, like it's not your typical uh, Airbnb investment property where it's just kind of a shell of a home. Like we let our guests know, like this is our primary residence and we are letting you use our home and our things. Right. Yeah. So, um, them having access access to that and knowing that is I think kind of helped people respect our property more while we, yeah, they take better care of it. I feel like, cause they know that we're eventually kind of be there and it's our stuff. So that's very cool. Yeah. Cause I think it's something that people need to look at. I know I had some friends in 2000, I want to say 14, it's been forever that they, I think one weekend of the month moved out of their house. I think they actually went and stayed with their in-laws or one's parents and one's yeah. in-laws and literally it helped like almost 50% with the mortgage getting, cause they were like close to Disneyland. So they could just you know yes. do that, especially oh, in holidays. And I was like, that's so smart if you have the, but it's so much smarter, you know, I mean, you might like your in-laws, but it's so much smarter <laughs> if you don't have to go to your in-laws, you know, if you can get out into, yeah. you know, some sort of RV. Now, before you guys made this kind of transition, which looks like it was back in 2018, did you guys have any kind of RV experience? Is that part of your life or was all of this kind of new too? Well, my parents specifically have had travel trailers. Um, my dad, my, my dad really started it because he had a midlife crisis and went back and got his PhD and lived in a camper um, in Auburn in a cow field. So <laughs> <laughs> when he did that, they had that travel trailer and another one. And so I kind of experienced that. And Bo has grown up camping and we both have outdoor like experiences in our blood, yes. Um, but never knew that we would wind up here. I know that wasn't part of the plan. But. No, for sure not. I, I, I mean, I didn't. I did not grow up RVing or anything like that. Like camping occasionally, and like both said, we are very. Both of our families are outdoor-minded people, but we're kind of. Our parents did it a little bit, but we're kind of first generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Gotcha. I love that. I'll assume that your dad's from Tennessee, that a Tennessee midlife crisis is getting a travel trailer and going to stay on a cow field uh, in Los in Angeles. Alabama. It's com- Oh, in Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Cause then yeah, 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 in, yeah. In, in Los Angeles, a midlife is completely different for men in LA. <laughs> They're doing something completely different. So that's fun to see that there's different types of midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> so what were you guys doing for work? Uh, back in 2018 that's allowed you guys to kind of transition. I want to see if that was part of the transition where you guys already remote and then we'll get more into work, but I just wanted to know. Right. So in 2018, so I had my real estate license and was working for a guy. He was an amazing, amazing boss. Um, and I, it was a very flexible schedule. We got married went on our honeymoon to, we went to like Big Sur and Napa Valley, just the Bay area. And we saw a bunch of van lifers and we were like, man, we could do this. And with our schedule and we already knew we wanted to Airbnb the house. So we were like, we can make this work at least for weekends. And it was funny at the time we had to make sense of purchasing a sprinter van and I was doing handyman work. So we decided to get me a, basically a, a work truck, but then also have it be our adventure van. So we designed it to where I could get tools, materials all in the van. So that's really what made us make that decision. Right. And so as time went on, we started traveling more. I backed away from, um, I, I quit my job basically because we were Airbnb and we also, another thing that once we dive into work, it'll make a little more sense how we ended up doing what we're doing. Um, we, I, my degree is in interior design. So I did design work and like Bo just said, he did handyman work. So we also flipped houses prior to what the lives we're living right now. Gotcha. All right. Very cool. And, what was kind of your transition? Cause I know you made the little comment of, you know, that our life is in a closet. Now, granted a lot of your stuff is still obviously in the home, but transitioning from a home to a van in your everyday, what's that been like for you guys? The experience of, you know, kind of going with less. Um, <laughs> what was that? Bo just gave me a look. I'm it's funny because, it... like, going from more to less, yes, we have. But then there's also some things, y'all, like, we have to, like, we have multiple sets of pillows now. Like, so we don't, like, we got into a, a routine where we would have to pull things out of our house every single weekend and then put it in the van. And logistically, it was just wearing us out and eating yeah. too much time. So, we basically have things, materials in our home that we use there. And now we also have them in our Right. Brain. So he's laughing because you, we have less, but we technically have more because we still have our house. Yeah. But um, no, I think the transition to living with less has been very easy, mm-hmm. like I, crazy easy. I love it so much more. I actually had a friend who has been full time with a very large family for a year and then has since moved back into a house. And she was talking about how she feels like all they do is work to fill the house of things they don't need. Mm. Um, and I, that just resonated with me so much because I, like I, I have a degree in interior design. I like pretty things, but it's so easy to say no now because mm. I don't, I just don't have the room. Like I can't, 
just, I can't see a, I don't know, a cute throw pillow and be like, oh, I need that. I don't need it. It's really made us reevaluate needs versus wants. Everything has to have a purpose. Yes. Everything needs to have a purpose. Now it can't, its purpose can be that it's pretty, but it also can't take up space that we need to function day to day. So, I mean, I think the transition was easy. I don't think it is for everyone. We're both kind of, we can go with the flow and, you know, and I also think it's important to make your space comfortable and clean. If it wasn't clean and it was cluttered, I would be a crazy person. So I think if you do it the right way, it can be very easy and liberating. It is pretty incredible that, you know, it takes sometimes this lifestyle for us to realize that things need to have a purpose. And I even like here that, like, you know, being pretty can be a purpose, you know, but even after a while, if it's like, if that's its only purpose, then you really start yeah. to reevaluate it. But it's, you know, I mean, I still hoard like electronics. Like, I think I just ordered like, you know, some new gadget and I haven't even used the old new gadget I just bought. Right. So I still <laughs> see that in me a little, but I'm not as many kind of things. And I really yes. do kind of, I return things a lot easier too now, which is funny before I'd be like, ah, oh, maybe I'll use it down the road. Now I'm like, oh. That's if it's Can't not any media, yeah, let's send it back. Amazon's great for that stuff. Yeah, I just noticed that we have about eight too many iPhone chargers <laughs> in the van with us right it's now. It's a weird security thing, yeah. That we have enough, <laughs> but you. that's okay because it's small. <laughs> and, and also, like getting rid of or, or returning things. Um, man, when we're back home, like we'll all, we'll often do a spring cleaning at any time of the year in our garage, and it's really just a purge. And like, there's a there's a donation place right down the road, and it, it is. It's liberating getting yeah. rid of things that you know you're not going to Yeah, need. our things back home have definitely dwindled down. We don't have near as many things after spending so much time without them. No, it's so much it. easier to be like, oh, I don't need that. Yeah, it's weird that you don't realize how much it, it weighs you down. Like, that's the yeah. thing that you just don't – you, you know, if you go into a garage that, you let's say, you can't even put a car in, and, you know, because every room in the house is packed – I've always been able to get my car in my garage, but I've never had like where it was like there wasn't stuff that I've just been like, that's been there since we moved here two years ago, kind of a mentality. Yeah, right. but, it, but it didn't bug me the way I think it would bug me today where I'd be like, right. okay, that's it. We got to just get rid of it. Let's at least send it to someone that will actually use it if we can't sell it. You know, Absolutely. I, yeah. So it sounds like obviously you made some transitions with work, but what are you guys doing are you guys like flipping houses? What are you guys doing when you're out on the road now? Well, so we're flipping RVs and vans now. Nice. We've basically, when we started traveling more, we started seeing people our age or just like that reminded us of ourselves. But then they're in these like dated RVs that, like I, I wouldn't want to live in it. So we thought, why don't we just try this once? It's a less investment with money. It's less investment with time than a house. And so we're like, let's just try this out and see what happens. And so we bought a travel trailer that was 2018. We worked on it and finished in about six weeks, and at the end of that six weeks time period, we sold it the day we listed it. Within an hour yeah. to someone on the other side of the – we were at home in Nashville, and they were in Utah. Mm -hmm. And so 
it was one of those things like, okay, well, we wondered if this would work and it clearly does work. So let's just keep going. And so since then, I did quit my job. Bo kind of quit. He gradually quit doing handyman work and we just shifted all of our focus to the renovating of the RVs. And we did build out that our first van and we sold it earlier this year and then bought another van and renovated it. And that's what we're traveling in now. But we're planning on selling it and depending on how quick it sells, we'll buy another van and do that. So technically when we're on the road, our income is our Airbnb. We're not um, actually working on the van. We, you know, sometimes we make it work where like this summer we went and stayed with my brother in upstate New York. And while we were working on our current van. So we have figured out ways to travel and live in the van while we're working on it. But like, for example, this current trip is about a month and a half and we aren't doing work other than me managing the Airbnb remotely. Gotcha. Yeah. That's very cool. I mean, I, I love that you're able to, you know, kind of fix what you're living in and then selling it. And then I, if I know I can make this assumption that every time it probably gets better and better just because you yes. learn something, you learn how to utilize the space. I mean, I always make the joke that I don't think RVers build RVs. And and, and I use the term RV for the clinical sense of, of recreational yeah. vehicle, where it's just right. anything that you recreate in a vehicle. Um, and it's just weird. There's so much like where I just, you know, at, at first I was like, oh, it's a perfect use of space. A year later, I'm like, man, they could have moved this There's here and this so here. Yeah. And and so I wonder if you guys are noticing that too, even in your build outs as you, how many have you done so far? Oh, travel trailers. We've, we've, we're, I think we're around 10 total everything yes. like between travel trailers, vans, RV, you know, like big motorhomes, that sort of thing. And with like, the builds themselves, we become more efficient yes. on knowing what materials and like, because the, the first Sprinter van took a longer time to build out because we had to basically teach ourselves everything about okay. it, the insides and out from, from the insulation to the electrical. But now since we already have that knowledge, it's cut down our production time so much. Right. And then living in it too, you know, a lot of the Sprinter vans have bathrooms and that sort of thing. And we've just learned like we've, I think it's to each his own too, because we value the space more than the bathroom because we've just never, we've always gone without and it's been fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an evolving thing and it's fun to live in it and learn what you use, what you don't use, what you might could do differently. And it makes for a better product. Like we yes. just finished up this van. We're, we're currently sitting in as we speak to you about a month ago. And like, we keep telling people that we were going to take it out to the Southwest and to the West and stress test it. Just make sure everything's functioning fine. But at the same time, we're just enjoying the fruits of our labor to be honest <laughs> with you. But it is good to kind of get in here and kind of rattle some things around to make sure like we're giving our client, our pretend, you know, our eventual client, a good solid product Correct. too. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that makes really, that makes a lot of sense. Now, have you lived in all of them or, and like, no, no oh, okay. we haven't lived. Yeah. We haven't lived in any of the travel trailers we've done or the motorhomes or anything like that. We've done all those, um, living in the van or at home. You've or, actually caused yeah. in a time of transition too, because we've been doing the travel trailers for about a year and a half to two years. And then we, 
or maybe even three. Yeah. And, but now we've started doing the sprinters and we're kind of testing the waters out here to see if, if this is going to be something that we want to do. We've always kind of rode the wave in whatever yes. direction it takes us. And this is kind of where we're heading. And right that's now. something so great about how we've done this is we're always, I, my favorite thing is just pivot. Like we're always ready. We'll keep, if vans work great, you know, we'll keep building those mm-hmm. out until we need to pivot, but just always being willing to shift and go with what's working. And it's also challenging to learn new things. And, um, but it's nice because yeah. speaking of pivoting, cause like our ultimate aim is to free ourselves up as much as possible. And that's why we made the transition from the houses to RVs because it was a less investment, but also way less investment in time. And now here we are doing sprinter vans and like, we'll, we'll build one of these out and now we get to enjoy it a bit, which frees us up. And I don't know. It's just, uh, we're trying to liberate ourselves. Yes, exactly. As much as possible. And it's actually probably a really good test period too, in the sense that, you know, if you are like, Fixing them and building them and then just selling them, it's usually the buyer that has to go through the testing process of, you know, getting on the road and just doing things that you just maybe wouldn't do in a normal build. So it's almost like, you know, doing some real serious quality control. I feel like it's very necessary because most of the time, I mean, I think all of almost every single thing that we have sold has come out to the Western side of the country. Mm -hmm. So if we had if you do sell it immediately, like you said, you've got somebody else testing it out. And then it's, if something's messed up, they're on the other side of the country and that's a problem. Right. <laughs> you know, we need, cause we also stand behind our product. So that would mean us flying out West to fix something that may be a super easy fix, but the people buying are the people that don't know how to do it right. or they would do it themselves. No, that makes sense. I, I just think it's like a, I, I know I was reading somewhere where some RV manufacturer was talking about how they drive the RV like around the block twice. And I was like, really? That's like a good test run driving it twice Major around the block? Stress test. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was <laughs> like, that's funny. Maybe take it boondocking for a weekend and then come back and, you know, right. let us know we've, that everything. And we've wondered like this, this emerging market that is now here and sprinter vans um we've been waiting for some regulations yeah on them being built out because we've seen some we've seen some like, there are some quality builds out there there are some companies that are killing it but then there's also some builds that these things are just slapped together and then they ch- they charge an arm and a leg yeah, and I'm, it, yeah i think we're actually this is kind of a rabbit hole but i'm excited about the potential for some regulations i think it'd be really good for the industry as a whole just to you know, weed out some bad builders, mm. not that there's a ton of them, but I just think I'm excited about that in so many ways. And I think it's also safer if and there were some regulations. Protects the buyer. Right. Well. Exactly. Yeah. I think though, if, if I've learned anything in this RV lifestyle, if they haven't even figured out how to regulate people pulling a 42 foot fifth wheel, like I did without <laughs> yeah. any experience whatsoever. I literally just got right. to go pick it up at the lot and take off. And they're like, yeah, take care. <laughs> um, I think that needs to happen first. Don't get me wrong, but I do agree that there needs to be, you know, some sort of, you know, yeah. just quality control, especially when you're, I think I will always contract out like electric work and plumbing work. Just, I think I'm finally, yeah. you know, just recently turned 50. I'm kind of like, you know what, if I don't have that skill set yet, 
I think there's a lot of other skill sets I still want to kind of use in my whatever brain. Right. And I, but I also just think those are really important. That's where things can really go wrong for you and ruin stuff. So yes, um, ruin the fun. Yeah, it's it's I, I totally agree that we need some sort of regulations. I just don't know how you really do that because, you know, we just renovated our RV. We, I mean, completely gutted it. But again, I wasn't doing any new electrical. I wasn't doing mm-hmm. any new right. plumbing. I was just, you know, basically cosmetics, which is a big help. But I do get where 100% where you're coming from. Uh, yeah. On the Airbnb side, is there any thoughts, plans, discussions about getting another Airbnb property? Does that make sense at all? I know people probably look at that and think of it as a business investment opportunity to actually go out and buy another home and, you know, obviously with your guys' skill set, fix it up and then make it at Airbnb. Is that even on your guys' radar? It is on the radar. Okay. We, uh, it's, we're always torn between, we need another something, you know, like when we're building these out and traveling, it's been, it used to be easier than it is now that we've got people staying in our house all the time because we can't park it and work there for a month on a rig. So we really need a workspace, Mm -hmm. but we also really want another Airbnb. So we're kind of hoping that maybe we can find a piece of property where we can do both. So that is definitely on the horizon. Um, and again, like we said in the beginning, it's really nice having someone else build your equity for you. Yeah. And I, you know, that's our ultimate goal is to have a few rentals along with the ability to still be doing what we're doing now with building out vans or any kind of RV. Perfect scenario for us within the next six months would be a desirable piece of property large enough to where we can have a shop on it and also have a future or potential site for an Airbnb, whether if that's us building it or uh, an already existing home. Um, that's kind of what we're eyeing, but we'll see. We'll yeah, see we'll see what happens. happens. We're easy. That's the great thing is that we can live in whatever. <laughs> so, you know, we can live in a van and let somebody else, live in the house kind of, or rent the house, which is really nice. Without a doubt. Yeah. So I haven't really made it totally public, but we're currently in escrow on 240 acres here in Oklahoma. Wow. Awesome. And I mean, again, and when, when I was learning the process that in most, uh, what I refer to like the wild, wild West kind of States, if you have over 40 acres, they, they don't come with a lot of like rules and regulations on what you can build. And that part, you know, me bringing my California brain, if you put a shed in your backyard, it usually comes with some sort of permit and someone comes oh, out, yeah. you know, or here, uh-huh. you can do, you can have shops, you can have cabins, you can have a house, you can have multiple houses. They, they don't care. And right. that's where I was like, okay, that's what, I think I first learned that in Texas, that if it's over 40 acres, it's pretty much, you can do what you want, which has you regulate yourself, right? Yeah, which does have some bad because you know, I mean, if you ever in some of these like rural kind of areas and you see a house that doesn't have siding on it, it's because there's no permit coming by and saying, "Hey, you got to put a siding on the side of your house." They're you know they don't have right. To, there's no permits. There's no regulations that way. I so there is that little downside to, side to it too. But the freedom is pretty amazing that you can do it. Yeah. Doing. So you guys will find. Oh, it. Yeah. We've been checking properties, and uh, the one of the first things we'll be looking for is to see if they allow a travel trailer for us to live on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can, can we pop a camper down on this property or not? 
Yeah, no, it, that's actually pretty easy to like spot too. Like when you're driving around and you see like yes. four or five on a property, you're like, okay, we're in the city limits. They're not, nobody's getting grandfathered in with four or five RVs on their property. So then, right. then you know yeah. pretty good. For me, it's going to be weird to actually have more acreage than the city that I'm next to. <laughs> I'm like, wow. that's weird. Where that's I, can I be my oh. own mayor? Like I want to run for mayor <laughs> in my own little acreage, which is, and it's so funny too, because even though that's obviously a lot of land compared to some of my ma- neighbors, it's nothing. Like it's just, they're just sectioning off a small corner of the land they own kind of a thing. It's so bizarre so the amount of land people mm-hmm. own and deal with. Um, well, awesome. I, I love the idea of, you know, you guys taking advantage is the wrong word. Let me say this differently in the sense that there is this really booming market and there is this need to kind of get in and renovate and flip and then all different types of stuff in the industry. I mean, you know, campgrounds, obviously we need more of those. We need more quality builds out there. We need people thinking and knowing that they can do this part-time sometime, that it doesn't have to be a full-time thing and maybe people are doing the math and not realizing that an Airbnb can help solve a lot of those kind of financial situations, which is really nice. And even oh, yeah, it's I think it's just the big hurdle of letting people get like letting people be in your home. Yeah. That's a very big mental hurdle. I think people struggle to get over, but we just kind of got to the point where it was like, or more me, I think I care more than Bo does, but I, it's either I get to wake up, looking at the Pacific ocean for two weeks or I stay at home, you know, allowing people to sleep in my bed and use my stuff allows me to do these awesome things. And the whole situation, like, like you said, like we haven't been taking advantage of anything. This wasn't happenstance. There was some risk involved. Madison had a job. Like she had a, she had a golden handcuff kind of situation, but it came to a point like where money and the mental stress versus mental happiness and health, wasn't worth it. And like, we, we took a little chance, a little leap mm-hmm. um, whenever we decided to remove ourselves from that fully me doing handyman work. And like, we've, we're in a good position. It, it looks fun and, and happy, but we've, we've made sacrifices. Yes. That's the thing. It's so funny. People think, Oh, you travel all the time. You must make so much money. And it's like, no, actually we've just learned to live on less. Right. Uh, because it's quite yeah. the opposite. I made way more money before, but it's not about that. You know, like we're still, I think there's two ways to do it. And we're also still being productive humans. I stress about money, but like we're fine and we still find ways to save and we're being smart, but and saving for retirement, all that sort of thing. So I don't, that's one thing I like to be careful with is even there's a lot of younger people wanting to do it. And I still encourage people to plan for the future. You know, you can do it for a while, but I don't put, you know, you should still, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you need to be able to sustain. Yes, what you're doing. exactly. Exactly. It's funny. Cause like a, a business model I was talking about not too long ago, just cause so many people I've interviewed on the show, I'll ask them, you know, their college experience or it'll come up and you know, their degrees will come up and what they're doing for a living now has nothing to do with the degree they got 20 years ago. And even one of my guests was talking about, they're still paying off their student loan, you know, 15 years later in a degree that they don't use. And and it got me to the point where I'm like, why, you know, it's so weird that we give 18 year olds, whatever, a hundred thousand dollars to go to school. It would be really cool if we gave 18 year olds a travel loan where they could travel for two years. But 
where they're working. So whether it's Habitat of Humanity or campgrounds or, or whatever it is that they get to travel around and do different jobs. I wonder for a big, a big portion of, you know, our 18 to 20 somethings, I think that experience for a year or two would be so much better than you that's know, such a growing period of your life. Yes. Yeah. And to like, and then to try to think that you're going to be able, I, I was trying to the other day, Go back to like when I was 19, what did I, it was probably, I wanted to be an NBA player. Let's be honest. It was probably what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, I'm this kid in Utah playing, you know, somewhat college ball and going to be a dad soon. And I'm like, oh, okay. So something's, something's you wrong. Most 19 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> most 19 year olds aren't trying to have kids. So I don't really have that kind of vision of what I was trying to be, but I can't even imagine really trying to figure out the next 50 years during those years. So I, I appreciate where you guys are coming from too, with the, the advice of make it clear you don't have to be rich to do this, but you need to also have a plan too. It's not just get right. out there and you know and and hope for the best. There has to be a little bit of a plan when doing this. Yes, this is a sidebar, but yeah. you being from Utah, basketball guy, I was a huge Utah Jazz fan back in the day. <laughs> Carl right. Malone, John Stockton, the boys. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna blow his name right now. Uh, he was uh, like a. Russell. Russell. What was his name? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Yeah, I can't even. He 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 married my my prom date, and you know we all kind of knew each other because of playing basketball in Los Angeles and stuff. Why can't I? Is it just Russ Russell? Is that his name? Is that why I'm? I'm not sure. His last name's Russell, though, 100. percent Because I know it's I know his wife's name's last name is Russell, so I know it for sure. But I just it's funny that yeah, Utah. I, I can't tell you anything that's going on in sports today. Uh, at all, but man, do you take me back to like eighties and early nineties basketball? Yeah, we can talk all day long for sure. <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. Good little, good little segue. I like it. Um, let's get into like when you're not working and you're not traveling. Um, what are you guys doing for fun? What's your kind of like sweet spot? Traveling. <laughs> no, um, it's like a, on a daily routine, like around here, like this morning, we've already worked out and we're excited to get up. Like we've been going to the dog beach here lately. It depends on what, what kind of part of the country we're in, because if we're out in the Southwest, we're going to be hitting some trails, uh, catching new corners of the country. But like whenever we're in like Encinitas, for example, today, we love experiencing the local culture and community. Mm. Really. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And let's talk a little bit of what you kind of talked about, because I think it's important as we see what's going on with national parks and, you know, very Instagrammable spots, just how overcrowded they're becoming. It's yes. it's really odd to me that people don't understand that there's as much beauty in a place that no one's Instagramming. And it's almost like don't go to the places where people are Instagram, especially during season. But there are millions of places here in the United States that are just off the beaten path that are phenomenal. And it cracks me up that people are just, no, we got to go to big Ben, got to go to big Ben, that kind of a thing. And, yeah. 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 It's funny. Like a lot of those places I've learned a lot of those places that are Instagrammable are for a reason. And you need to, like, we feel like you need to see them like horseshoe Bend, for example, in, in Utah like or in Northern Arizona. Like it's, it's people it's go beautiful. there for a reason. Yeah. yeah. But then also something we've learned with national parks with our dog, Olive, she's wherever we are, she is. And national parks aren't super dog friendly. So we've learned that where there's a national park, there's also a neighboring state park yep. that 
is off the beaten path that sometimes can be equally as beautiful. Oh yeah. We love, like he just said, that was something I wanted to hit on is because Olive is with us all the time and we don't really leave her in the van for extended periods of time alone. We have to find alternatives. Um, It's forced us to, and we've gotten to where sometimes we'll even skip, like you referred to like the Instagrammable spots just because it's not even worth dealing with the crowd. Um, You know, a lot of the people that are going there, it's their only vacation they're going to take all year. And it's like, you know what, if I can be one less person that they have to deal with, then that's fine. Um, but there are so many, we love finding these tight, like even tiny little towns, a lot of times we'll stop and go to a coffee shop or something like that. And another trick that one of our friends told us is they'll find a bicycle store in small towns and go and talk to the people working there and ask them what they would refer a visitor to do because a lot that you know that's kind of our vibe those kind of people we were we're not cyclists but that's as local as you can get yes absolutely and so it's always cool to just go ask someone that looks like you know hey that person looks cool let's go ask them what they think we should go do i definitely like that tip because you're talking about people that enjoy trails whether they cycle or hike usually uh yeah they, they probably kayak too if that's your thing so that's a really kind of smart tip to get into the the horseshoe bend one is one that personally you know we've done a bunch of dry camping at lone rock and got to know the ranger and he literally told me i think the first time we were there in 2017 he was like you know damien in 2014 i want to say that me and my wife could go to horseshoe bend at like right at sunset and there might be three other people there. And wow. I know when I was there in 20, oh no, it was earlier this year we were there. They were building out like a parking structure. Like there yeah. Now. Oh like, yeah. We've driven, we have, we went once and ever since we have literally just waved at the parking lot as we've gone by because it's so crowded. It's funny. The pictures that you always see of Lone Rock, the one thing you don't see is the hundred people behind. Oh, no, no. I mean, not Lone Rock. Of course you've been. Yeah. You don't see the the hundreds of people behind the camera. Um, And on this trip we're currently on, we we stayed at Lone Rock for about three or four nights. Yeah, that was one of our other sweet spots that Mm -hmm. we kind of wouldn't leave. (laughs) I love it too. What I do hate though, in 2017, we were really traveling like on a budget and not to say that we have zero budget now, but it was definitely different. And someone was like, Oh, boondocking at Lone Rock, you'll love it. And you know, we're like, okay, we can go, we can last about two weeks. You get there and it's $14 a day. And I'm like, this is dry camping folks. Use the right terms. Boone is free. And it was like one of my first, like just early lessons of, you know what? Words matter like to, you know, just because we yeah. were expecting it. But I got to know the ranger, and he was like, our facilities aren't open. Don't worry about paying it. It's not a big deal oh. right now because it was kind of yeah. off-season. So it worked out. But, yeah, no, yeah. Lone Rock, I tell people. And there's also this fear, too, which is funny, that's different than, like, you know, the weekender, um, is this idea of sharing spots. I, I'm not as scared of it as people are. When I find a secret spot, I usually tell people, which clearly it's not a secret spot, but the things that you can drive to and do as a day visit, those are the areas that I think are just going bananas. And it really has nothing to do with just the RV industry. I think it's just people, maybe normally, that's just how they're able to get out now. And because of social media, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, with the pandemic, people were stuck inside, so they wanted to get outside. And then, like you just said, you know, like my parents are on Instagram now. Everybody is on social media and they it's you 
it's great because now you literally do have the world at your fingertips. You can see all these amazing things, but it's also made all these amazing things way more accessible and easy to find instead instead of having to get out there and find it yourself. It's, it's tough though. Like whenever we're out there at a crowded spot, it's like all these people are here for the same reason we are to, to appreciate and, and see nature in its most beautiful form. So we, we always try to keep that mindset while we have a good attitude about the amount of people that are around. It's good that these people are wanting to get out and and see beautiful things. Right. Should. Yes. But I will, I'll challenge anyone. If you do go to Lone Rock, you will see people that drive up whether they get out of their car or not, I'll, I'll, I'll say they get out of their car. They get out of their car. They take a picture of the Lone Rock. They get back in the car and they leave. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. how is that? Like, just get out of the car for a second, sit in the sand, walk down to the water, like just breathe it all in for a moment yeah. that this wasn't, it's that part to me is the weird part. And I'm not trying to be a boomer and say, you know, get off my lawn, but it's like, if you're going to come here, just hang out for a little while, bring a meal. Experience yes. it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Go down to Lone Rock and take your car and almost get stuck in the sand <laughs> like we, we did. <laughs> right. There's, there'll be someone that'll come help you get out. That's the fun hey, part too. We, we did, I think uh, that was our only major holiday at a kind of popular spot this last year. And, you know, we had never done it before because of obvious reasons. And then we'll never do it again because of obvious reasons. But I think our favorite part was trying to guess how many cars would get stuck. And I'm not talking like trucks. I'm talking people with like Toyota Corollas that think they can drive down a sand hill. And, you know, we just would watch it and think it's the funniest experience. Well, it's funny because you think like since you have access to it, it should be safe and no worries. That's not the case. Well, that's what I think with, with people with hiking, you know, you're on some of these trails and they have these signs like, you know, don't walk towards the cliff. And I'm like, you know what? We're really populated. We could get rid of those people that need that sign (laughs) in in my mind. Yep. Thin the herd. (laughs) Without a doubt. Like I just like, Hey, if someone's going to take a six mile hike down the grand Canyon, not bring water, you don't have to remind them. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of a fun transition into what I like to do is this high low. I always like to start with a low, um, and we'll refer to more like when you're on the road, uh, it can't, okay. be, can't be COVID can't be flat tire. can't be bad internet. Um, yep. but what's been a low, like in this lifestyle that maybe you just didn't expect that hit you? One, uh, this may not be the lowest of lows, but the first thing that comes to my mind is Madison mentioned earlier in this conversation that when we're traveling, we accidentally tend to push cause we don't want to miss something. Um, and an often low that we're getting better at controlling is we will push for six to eight to nine hours on the road one day trying to get from A to B. And then we get to a dispersed camping site and it's dark. It's unknown to us. Like, and for most part, part, for most of the part of the time it's safe, but you never know what kind of situation you're getting yourself into in the middle of the night. And you're ragged out from doing 500 miles on the road yeah, I would definitely say that my lows when we're on the road come from sleeping somewhere because, you know, we're paying for where we're staying right now, but we normally don't. Like, I would say eight out of 10 times we do not pay for where we're camping. And it can be when you arrive places at night and go to sleep and it's just 
uncomfortable and a little nerve wracking. We've never haven't had an incident, but no. there's always those fears. Yes. And so I think that that is our probably we we're happy people and we don't really that's it's a good thing that that's our low that mm-hmm. we don't sleep fabulously occasionally. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um but yeah, I agree. I think just and one I have another one and it's just the constant maintenance. I think you don't realize when you're living in a brick and mortar kind of home, you know, you turn a faucet on and your water's there and you know, your lights come on and it you don't even have to think about these things. What do you always say? It's um it's a simpler lifestyle, but not as easy. Huh? Yeah. You had to ask me this right now. Yeah. She's got a great quote, like how it is like it's, it, it, everything's easy or simpler, but not nothing's as, easy. Yeah. Right. Okay. Everything's simple, but nothing's easy. Like there is, you know, you're constantly doing maintenance and because it's a small space cleaning, you know, even yeah. stuff as simple as that. Um, it's just, it's not as easy as waking up in your bed at home and, going and flushing your toilet and turning on your water and the shower coming right on. Yeah. There's way more maintenance involved, but it's worth it. So that's, so I didn't immediately think of that as a low because yeah. it's, it's just part of the lifestyle. Yeah. No, you definitely, I, I can't even count on uh, like two fingers the amount of times that I really try to fix something in a bricks and sticks, you know, plumbing's wrong, electric's wrong, water heater's not working. It, you just immediately go to the phone book or I'll even date myself, go to 411 call and then like, you know, <laughs> you get someone to come and fix the house. That's what you do. You don't really try to right. problem solve and learn it. And it's not a, an advertisement in any way. Todd and Stephanie have become good friends, but the uh, NRVTA, the National RV Training Association in, um, I think it's Athens, Texas. Just FYI, if you ever want to do a poor man's Europe tour, I think Texas has like 10 or 12 cities that are named after Europe cities. So Athens, Texas. <laughs> yeah. um, That's good is and I thought it was for people that want to figure out how to make an income, you know, be like an RV tech. And they have a right. whole series for just RV owners that want to understand about 80% of their rig and how to fix it. And I'm like, I you know what? I still want to go back and take the course because of that. I think that is you are right. And if you have a little bit more of a skill set and understanding, it does take away a lot of that stress. And the other thing well, I, Oh, go ahead, sorry. Well, I was just thinking about combining our two lows. It's like you like what you're saying, if you're out in the middle of nowhere boondocking without cell service and you have a water leak, you kind of need to know how to at least turn your water. You know, there's certain things you need to know how to do or it could make it a major, a small problem turn into a major issue. Right. Yeah. I, I think I heard someone say a great tip. I mean, I'm not traveling with a, a kid under, let's say, 14 to like 10, but they talked about how teaching the kid how to unhook the rig and be able to move a vehicle to the road and like, you know, flagged on help. And I was like, that's really smart. Like, do people really talk about that and just understanding all these little things that maybe just don't need to know. And the other thing I heard you say that I like is, I mean, we already talked about kind of that less is more, but I also think that slow is faster. Like I really, hundred percent. And you know what I mean. Oh, and, I and, often say slow and steady is fast. Yeah, yes. yeah. What is it? It's it's slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I think is like a military term when they're talking about like you know getting their weapon loaded. Like you can't right. get it fast. Yeah. You want to go slow and smooth, and you'll be fast. And I, I agree. Those are the two points that I you know just heard from your guys is kind of low, and then earlier in your story, let's get into a high. Uh, what's been the? I can't believe this is our life moments. Um, honestly, right now where we're staying and that we're getting to stay here for so long, it's, 
so and it's it's an insane like the pacific ocean is about how far from us right now uh 50 yards yeah it's right there and it's just we one thing you know we were here over the weekend and so we saw a lot of local weekenders and they're all gone and we're still here and, you know, we, there were some people, you know, you talked about being somewhere on a holiday weekend. We just did that. And it was madness. We had horrible neighbors. They were loud at night. Their kids were up early in the morning being loud. But I had a moment where I was like, Bo, you know what? They are driving us insane and they're acting not good for a campground, but they're waking up tomorrow and going back to a job they probably hate and back at their house and we're going to wake up right here. And I just want to take a moment to appreciate that. And, you know, like what both smiling at me. Oh no, I like everything you're saying. Okay. I, was, I, was, I was just listening. Um, something that I often appreciate and it's kind of fun and it's in my own head, but when we're going to bed at night, we'll put up, uh, you know, our, our, Medicine, what do you call when we put up our window? Oh, our reflective, just our window shades, our blackout yeah, shades. Yeah, we'll do our, we'll put our blackout shades, and then when we, we lay our heads down, we are in our home. Right. Uh, no matter what the location, and when we're moving around a lot, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and kind of be halfway out of it, and like, usually when I'm, I wake up, wake up in the middle of the night, I'll realign myself, be like, okay, what are we doing, where are we at? Because, you know, you're coming, you're coming to two. Yeah. And, um... And it's fun always being like, oh, yeah, like, for example, here we are. We're right next to the Pacific Ocean, you know, and then uh, here in a few days, we're going to be waking up outside of Tucson. And it's funny because, like, you're you're in your little cocoon, in your little safe haven, but then all you got to do is look out the window and see another different, beautiful landscape. Yeah. I like what you said, too, Madison, and I want people to – it went by fast, but I think it's a really good point that I think we all as kind of full-timers, we do wish, let's say the weekenders understood a little bit more of the etiquette. It could be their first time and they have no clue. And, you know, they, a lot of them just are on vacation and they vacation the way they want a vacation. It's to let loose. So I love your attitude of, you know, I wish they understood the etiquette, but I also right. understand where they're coming from and how this might be their only weekend to kind of blow out and uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big lover of like state parks from Sunday evening to Friday morning. I think state parks yeah. are oh, amazing. Yes. <laughs> you know? And then yeah. like I'll go boondock during the weekend and let the people come in and do their their loud kind of vacation getaway. But I I just like your thought process on it that I think we as full timers sometimes can have that. I wish they understood it more, but then we also need to understand them more too which I thought was just a great call out. So I wanted to make sure people heard it because I think it's important. And if you're a weekender, maybe you just don't know that, you know, I, I get that rules are made to be broken and, you know, or they're right. not depending on which side of the fence you're on, depending, yeah. you know, on the, <laughs> which rule it is you agree or don't agree with. But, yeah. you know, the, the 10 o'clock that, one is pretty standard. Right. That day that Madison told me that about these, our neighbors, she was also packing a lot of patience. Too. Oh, yeah. So I, I, was, I, I was human, but... <laughs> I've, I've, I've been there. I've got some great photos of people like on golf carts coming between my campsite and the campsite next to me. And neither one is theirs, but for some reason they have to drive their golf cart right through their move my picnic bench so they can drive their golf cart through. And I'm like, wow, okay. There's something to do there. Well, I want to make sure people know where they can find you, especially I, you know, there's probably lots of people that are, you know, wonderlessing to listen to the show and are always looking for, you know, maybe a, a rig that's been renovated and dialed in right. 
let people know where they can find you. I mean, to follow you personally and then also for the company side of stuff, whatever you guys want to do, list. Remember, folks, I'm going to write it all down on the show notes so you don't have to write it down. You just go there and click it. It'll take you right to whatever they share right now. So we are on Instagram at Troop Nashville. And then we also have a website, which is just www.troopnashville.com. And that is where we post everything. So if you want to find us, that is where we'll be. Awesome. Well, Madison, Bo, I appreciate you both coming on the show, sharing your story. I really do think it'll inspire a lot of people that are in that you know, like we can't do it full time yet kind of a thing. I think this will give them some things to think about and some ways to go about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having us. We've really enjoyed it. Yes, we have. Appreciate it. Well, another good episode. Big thank you to Bo and Madison for coming on the show. And if you want more info about them or to see their amazing renos, just go down into the show notes, click on their social website, anything. We do that every time for a guest. If you want to connect with them, there's always a way within the show notes to connect and it takes you directly to their socials or their website. So do that now. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a great way of helping us get the word out. So if you're enjoying this, let's let other people enjoy it as well too. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, yes, you, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I know you think, not you, but you. Please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.